You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Nathan Peternell. Good to see you this morning. It's a joy to be with you. I got to speak with Pastor Mike and, and uh, Pastor Donya this morning. They're in Nicaragua. We have a team of 17 from uh, all of our campuses that went down to Nicaragua. It's the first time we've been able to go back to Nicaragua in four years. They've had communist uprising. They've had all the COVID problems that have happened. And there's been a lot of barriers. We've been partnering with this church and a school on a particular mountain called La Concha. And uh, we've been doing that for now 10 years. I've gotten to go down a couple times. Uh, at Life Church, one of our, our big desires is that every one of our kids, before they turn 18 years old, would have an opportunity to go to a third world country. And, and they could minister the gospel while they're there, use Spanish, because most of our kids are trained in Spanish during high school. And, uh, and then just see that the church is larger than what we understand here in the United States. And that they can go and be a part of, uh, of helping and building and encouraging the church. And uh, the church in Nicaragua is a, is a church that is uh, very much, you know, there's, there's some persecution that's happening to Christians down in that area. Um, there's a lot of problems that they're going through. So uh, I talked to Pastor Mike this morning. I said, well, what could we pray for you about? What, what, is, what is it that you've been uh, dealing with? They had a hard time getting into the country, getting through customs. We were taking 120 pair of shoes and a bunch of vitamins uh, in there because a lot of the, the, the people up on the mountain are too poor to be able to afford any of that. And we thought for sure we'd get nailed and taxed on all the shoes. And we weren't as concerned about the vitamins. We really prayed mightily over the shoes because we didn't want to get stopped. Well, we got stopped for the vitamins, not the shoes. And uh, they got all the shoes in and we're working on the vitamins. So anyway, uh, but they, they had uh, a, a men's ministry outreach. We have a number of teenagers that are there that got up and shared their testimonies. And you know, one young man stood up and he said, hey, I really just two years ago, I was struggling with whether, whether I even wanted to live. And that really connected. And another uh, person talked about their testimony about their family coming out of alcoholism. And uh, six guys got saved yesterday. So can we give the Lord glory for that? Just some awesome stuff happened. Just some awesome stuff. There was one young, um, uh, Pastor Micah's mom is, is over there and she kind of works in the prophetic. Um, if you see her, she's, she's kind of a um, Kathy is kind of a, uh, a, a lady, she had polio, and so her one arm is, is kind of paralyzed, but she is a mighty woman of God. She goes over there, and the Lord gives her a prophetic word over a lady's life. Turns out the lady had been um, sold as a sex slave when she was 11 years old, and, and she's lived in depression for all these years. And Kathy said, the Lord wants to change your depression into joy. And we're supposed to laugh right now. And if you know Kathy, she could just start laughing. Well, the lady starts laughing. And the Lord lifted something up off her life. And it was a huge testimony. So they've got a VBS. They're expecting between 70 and 100 kids uh, to come this afternoon. There are church services this morning. But just lift up our team, okay? Be really in prayer for them over the next eight days. Uh, lift them up. And Pastor Mike wants you all to know he misses you all. So... Anyway, we are in the Word of God today in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and 
I, well, we were worshiping this morning. How many were blessed by the worship this morning? You know, so many times we, we, don't, uh, we don't recognize how all the hard work that goes in and running all the tech and the video. We only notice people whenever they mess something up. We, can we just say thank you to them for all the great things they do? They, they are a blessing, tremendous blessing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just excited. I was thinking while we were worshiping that the passage that we're in this morning is a passage that I first, I started preaching. I got called to ministry when I was 14, and I started preaching when I was 15 years old. And this was one of the messages that I preached when I was 15 years old. And, and so I, I, I thought about it. I thought, oh, man, I've been preaching the gospel for 30 years. And uh, that, that surprised me a little bit as I thought about it. But um, this is a passage that I just love. You're going to see a beautiful, beautiful story. It's 3,000 years old. But it's a beautiful story of a father's love, a son's identity, and the restoration of a heart. It is the gospel message through and through. This is a story that will apply to every one of our lives. The application is for all of us, and it is for us especially today because you're going to see that God in expressing, one thing that God is known for is his loving kindness kindness. In the world we live in today, which is so wicked, it seems like everybody wants to kill each other and cuss each other out and road rage all over the road, you know, the, the roads and in our world and everybody is vile and despicable. We're going to get a message today on kindness and why we give kindness to one another. The, there was a famous preacher, his name's Skip Heitzig, and I like him a lot. I listen to him quite often. You can listen to him on YouTube if you'd like to. But he talked about that he, he makes a lot of trips over to Israel. And he went to Israel, and he was, he was there at a time where Benjamin Netanyahu was the prime minister. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu is the current prime minister of Israel. I think he is a, a great leader, and I, I pray for that guy. In fact, he just went into surgery to get a pacemaker, I think, this, this morning or last night. But at this time, he was also prime minister. And Skip came into his office, and while he was in there, Benjamin Netanyahu brought up Jesus, and he said, I like Jesus. Now, that's odd coming from an Israeli, right? A, a, a Jewish man. He says, I like your Jesus. He said, he brought, and he, and he said back to one of his, his assistants, he said, he brought, and he used the Hebrew word because he was trying to come up for what the word was in English, and Skip says, his loving kindness and he goes, yes, he brought loving kindness. And that's what this, this message is about. How many, sometimes in your life, you think to yourself, man, I feel like I have screwed up this day badly. And maybe you could say I've screwed up this week badly, and, and if we're honest, we've screwed up this month badly, and maybe a couple years badly. It's real unfortunate when we've screwed up a decade badly. But how many know that the word says that his mercies are new every morning? Paul said, I think of myself as the chiefest of sinners. And I think Paul, the apostle, was probably one of the greatest Christians to ever live. And, and to think the fact that he, he knew every day I need new mercies. Wow. So let's look at this story today. We're in uh, chapter 9, 
I just want to say while we're, while we're doing this, I see so many faces I don't recognize. What a joy. What a joy to come each week and see new people here, that the Lord you brought you here through one way or another. However you got here, God's got a word for you this morning. Our great desire is you walk out of this place, you feel like you met with Jesus, that you experienced the presence of God. Amen? Amen. If you remember just a couple chapters ago, David said, you know, I, he was thinking about the Lord, and he goes, why am I dwelling in a, in a house of cedar and the Lord's in a tent? He says, I want to do something for the Lord. Well, God then says, hey, you want to build me a house? I'm impressed by that. I'm so grateful, but I'm the dad in this relationship. I build you a house. And he, he, he tells him, basically, I'm going to make it so that somebody's going to come from your line that sits on the throne of Israel forever. I'm going to make your name endure forever. I'm going to put a king on the throne that comes through your line. Ultimately, we know that that is Jesus Christ himself, the son of David, who sits on the throne forever and ever. What an awesome, awesome way that God gives. But David's just in this mindset. He's like, what can I do for the Lord? And then he, he's sitting there and he goes, what can I do? Well, let's just read it. Then David said, is there yet... Anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness. Everybody say kindness. kindness. Kindness for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan's sake. I named my son Jonathan after this character in the Bible. I chose that name when I was 15 years old because he was a man of God, a powerful warrior. And he just, just an awesome guy. He loved David. He was David's best friend. At this time, Jonathan is dead. He was the rightful next king of Israel according to dynastic lines. But he does not take that for himself because he knows that he is not God's choice to be the next king. It's actually David that's God's choice. And it had nothing to do with Jonathan's obedience or disobedience. He was a good man. It was because of Saul's disobedience that God wanted to take it out of that line and put it into David's line. And so one of the things that happened was that David is being persecuted by Saul. He's running for his life. He's running, trying to get away. Saul knows that he's the, he's the real threat. He's trying to put Jonathan on the throne. Jonathan doesn't even want the throne. He wants to give it to David because he knows that's God's will. What kind of prince gives away his throne? Man, has to be a prince who knows the mind of God right? Had to be a man of God, a man of submission, a man who could pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? And so he's trying to, trying to play peacemaker between Saul and David, but it's not, it's not working. And there was just this incredible affection between David and Jonathan. This is talked about as the great friendship of the Bible, maybe the, the best two friends in the scriptures. And now Jonathan is dead, but there was a great friendship that Jonathan never, ever messed up, and the Lord was delighted in that. In fact, these two guys came together to make a covenant with one another. Now, if you go back, go back to chapter 20, and I'm just going to read these words to you because this is what they promised one another while everything looked bleak and David was running for his life, but Jonathan knew that God would establish David. 
knew that he would establish the kingdom. And so this is what he said, I want to have with you, that our bond is unbreakable. And they create a covenant. If you look, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 20, and it says, may the Lord, it's, it's in ver, verse uh, 13, look at the end of it. It says, may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. It's Jonathan speaking. And if I am still alive, will you not show me loving kindness? The loving kindness of the Lord, that I may not die. What was normative is if there was a new king come to, into, into power, you eradicated the old line. You killed off all of the family members because you didn't want anybody to be able to come and say, I have a right to that, to that throne, and then civil wars would happen, so you would, you would just wipe out the entire royal family when a new family was established. But look what he says. If I am still alive, will you not show me loving kindness of the Lord that I may not die? And you shall not cut off your loving kindness from my house forever. Wow. How often do you think about your line, your lineage? How often do you think about your children? And even if you don't have them yet, your grandchildren. Do you think about that? Do you know that God delights in lines? That's why he doesn't want the murder to happen that cuts off a name from amongst his people. He doesn't want that. He wants your line to endure. One thing I notice when I come to prayer at any of our campuses, I notice when I go in that the vast majority of the people who come and pray on Saturday mornings are old. I'm not trying to, to, to you know, call you old, but you are. <laughs> and I say that because why is it that the older know they must pray? Why is it? And, I, and who are they praying for? My mother and father are 74 years old, and every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, I know exactly where their little tushes are on the couch, on the recliner, and I know who they're praying for, me and my line, and my brothers, and my sister and their lines. I know that there's a generation of faith. Yesterday, we lost a man, Pastor Johnny Garrison. If many of you uh, may know him, Pastor Johnny passed away yesterday. I wouldn't be the pastor of this church if it weren't for Pastor Johnny. He had the biggest smile in the world. He loved to laugh, tell jokes. I, I'm just telling you, heaven is laughing more because Pastor Johnny's there this morning. And I feel the emptiness of him not in this world. But then I think to myself, I guess... I guess I just need to make sure that the prayers that he prayed are filled, the void of that is filled by other people who are going to pray all the more. I think about what he has meant to my life, the blessings he's spoken over my life. I want you to think about your line today. I want you to think about not just your, your biological line. I want you to think about your spiritual lineage. Maybe you've led people to the Lord. Maybe you've caused them to come into the kingdom because of your faithfulness, like Pastor Johnny has seen so many. But I want you to think about that because Jonathan is saying, and may you not cut off your loving kindness from my house forever. Do you pray eternal prayers? 
Not even when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the, house of the, uh, from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. That covenant is what is on the mind of this king in this moment. He says, is there anybody I can show loving kindness of God to the house of Saul because of my love for Jonathan? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Now, if you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 4, you remember that whenever David was rising to power, that they're, they're showing you the lineage. So Saul was the king. He has his firstborn son, Jonathan. Jonathan has a son, and that son's name is Mephibosheth. He was just five years old in chapter 4, and what happened was, is that as soon as they found out that Saul was dead, a nurse grabs this little kid and starts to run because she's thinking, dynastically, they're going to kill all of the lineage of Saul. Now, that was not David's heart, but it was her fear. So she picks up this little kid named Mephibosheth, and she starts to run with him. Now, I don't know about you, but most five-year-olds can outrun a nurse, right? Let's just be honest. Little five-year-olds, man, they are quick. Pastor uh, Micah Beckwith, he's got a, uh, his, his son is Brody, and Brody's six now, but man, he's lightning, and I watch him run all through the church. And, uh, and so I'm just thinking, why would she need to pick him up and carry him away? Well, Mephibosheth means shameful breath. That's what his name means. Why would you name a kid that? In the Jewish world, you don't name a child until the eighth day. If you remember, they took Jesus to the temple on the eighth day, and that's where he's given his name. That's the same thing that happens with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is given his name on the eighth day. That's what you do. Well, to give him this name, shameful breath, may be an indicator to us of what that baby was going through. And it's believed by many theologians, it's a hypothesis, we're not sure, but it's possible that he has an asthmatic condition. He's, got, he's, he's struggling to live. So that could account for why a nurse would pick up a five-year-old and start to run. And so as she's picking him up to run, she falls. When she falls, the little guy falls hard on his feet, and he's crippled. They can't set the bones right, and the little kid is crippled. So when you are a king in the ancient days, you couldn't become the king if there was a physical defect on your body. So essentially what has happened to this little kid, if David was ever to be at war with this person, this kid can't be an heir to the throne because he's crippled. It was, it was something, you, you, you just, you couldn't have that. 
Who's going to follow a crippled king? In their mentality, that's the way it was. I don't know if you know this about FDR, but they tried to keep FDR being in a wheelchair. They didn't want everybody to see that because they thought that 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 would show weakness for the United States during World War II. So this little guy is crippled in his feet. And Ziba was once a servant of the house of Saul. And let's, let's see, is there anybody I could show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir. Now, he's living in someone else's house. What does that tell you? He cannot financially take care of himself. He's destitute. The son of Emil in Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture. Sounds like a dry and arid place. Sounds like a, sounds like a, just, just a miserable kind of getting by, scraping by kind of life. Not the kind of life that you would imagine a prince of Israel to live. And then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machur, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Bring him from that place of no pasture. Bring him before the king. Now, that young man has zero idea why David is calling for him. I want you to imagine that, the, that some, some, embass, uh, you know, some, some person representing David comes and says, the king wants, to, wants you to come with me. What kind of fear would be in that young man's life? What kind of a, you know, can you imagine what he's thinking? Why in the world would I have to come before the king? He's going to kill me. He's going to wipe me out. Why would he do that to me? I'm no threat. Look at me. I'm crippled. There's nothing that I can do. Why, why would he have that vendetta all these years later? Look at what God has done in David. Why would David want to pour out his wrath on me? I always heard that my dad and David had, had this great friendship. But you can imagine the fear that's instilled in this young man's life. Look. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, prostrating himself. Now, if you're crippled and you're called before a king, what's the right thing to do? Doesn't matter whether you're crippled or not, but if a crippled person gets down on their, on their uh, knees or down on their stomach, it's going to be very difficult for them to get back up. You're going to see all their crippledness. You're going to see all of their weakness and, and things that they may be ashamed of, right? They're going to see all that. But he comes in, and he prostrates himself down. He's showing honor to David, and he's very afraid. He prostrates himself, and David said, Mephibosheth. You know, almost every time you hear that name, I would think, you know, our names mean something. My, my name is Nathan. It means he gave. It doesn't specify who's the giver, right? If you have, um, if your name is Jonathan, that means God gave, or gift of God. Matthew, gift of God. But in Hebrew, when they say your name, it's almost like how the Indians, you know, running bear, or this or that. There's a picture behind it. So even hearing his name would almost sound like a curse. 
shameful breath. But the way that he says it, he says, Mephibosheth. And he said, here's your servant. I'm your servant. I don't have any, I'm not trying to take your throne. I'm not a threat to you. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, your father, Jonathan. You see, I had a, I had a covenant with him. He was my best friend. I loved him like I loved my own life. He loved me more than he loved himself. Great love. Isn't it amazing what can be in people's hearts for one another that other people don't understand? That nurse, God bless her, but she put a victim mentality into that little boy. She told him he needed to be afraid because that's what she understood through all of what she saw in nature what she saw in history, what she understood. She put, you need to be afraid of David into Mephibosheth's heart. Even though that was the furthest thing in the world from David's heart. How many people have that same mentality about God today? You need to be afraid of God. And, and, and the Bible does say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So there's a good fear. It's an honor. It's an awe. But this is a, you need fear that what God's going to do to you, which was not in his heart towards those he loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What motivates God to give? Love. Jonathan knew David's heart, but his son doesn't know David's heart and is now just finding it out. Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Watch. Mephibosheth has asked for nothing from David, but watch David's heart to give. And I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. I'm not going to give you just what was, just what was your dad's. I'm going to give you everything that was your grandfather's. He was the king of Israel. How much are we talking about here? How many know kings give differently? This is a lavish gift. I'm going to give you all of that. You've been living with somebody else. You've been having somebody else take care of you. You've been destitute. I just want you to know, I'm going to give you more than what you could possibly imagine. Do you know that's the heart of God today? That he says, I will, I, look, I'm going to call unto me, and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. I, I want to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. He says, I'm going I'm to restore it all, and you're going to eat at my table. What is he inviting him to do? You're going to eat at my table regularly. The king's table? Who's, who eats at the king's table? The king's sons. What is he doing? I'm calling you out of your old identity. 
and I'm going to treat you just like you are my son. Wow. Wow. Now watch this young man's response. And again, he prostrated himself and he said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Dog was probably the worst name you could call somebody in that, that time. I'm a dead dog. What do I have to offer you? Nothing. I have nothing to offer you. I'm a mess. I'm, I'm a big mess. Look at my feet. I've been, I've been living off somebody else's dime in their house out of their own, just them being nice. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I, I, does it, it doesn't benefit you. David, look at me. I'm broken. I'm crippled. I'm poor. I'm destitute. Why are you doing this? You know, I love it when God doesn't answer our questions. Do you remember when the prodigal son came? And he had, remember he had rehearsed his speech that he was going to say to his dad? And as soon as he kind of showed himself over that hill, his dad took off in a run, got all the way to him, didn't want anybody else to hurt him because the father's heart was to restore the son. But here's the... Here's the boy, and he launches into his, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of, and the father cuts him off. Says, keep your speech. I'm dad. Watch what I do. Doesn't answer his question. What am I? King called Sir, the Saul's servant, Ziba, and he said to them, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. You shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Not only am I going to give you all of these things back that belong to your grandfather, I'm going to give you the people that are going to manage it for you. I'm going to restore the servant back to the proper line of service. When God changes your life, he doesn't just change your life. He changes the lives of people all around you. He's doing a work to restore you. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly now he was lame in both feet. All right. Now, I told you that this was a story that applied to you. Let me tell you how. You see, all of us come from 
all of us come from Adam's line. We all come from Adam. Adam was under a curse. In fact, what do we call the book of Genesis, the, the beginning chapters of the Genesis? We, we call it, it's the, it's the rehearsal of the story of the fall. And in that fall, we all ended up crippled, unable to help ourselves, living in the land of no pasture under a curse. Fearing the wrath of the justice of the king, what would normally be done. But here's the good news. There's a son of David who came like Benjamin Netanyahu said to show love and kindness. And he came because of a covenant of great love. And he remembered that covenant. And it changed all of our lives. And in truth, wherever God finds us, we can identify with Mephibosheth. We're broken individuals. We're got nothing off of God. No ability to save ourselves. Knowing that in the natural we ought to be destroyed. And yet, there's a son of David. There's a covenant. There's a beauty still at work in the mind of the king. And he will not forget what he has said. He will not forget what he has promised. He will not forget, but he will remember. He takes you from your broken state. And he says, you are going to be my son. And I'm going to have you sit at my table. Now, I think about this. Does God take care of us? Yes, he does. I loved how Jess, you prayed that prayer over the offering. Lord, give us a raise. How many know that the scripture says, I have never seen the righteous forsaking nor their children begging bread. We believe as Christians, we sit in the provision of God. And it's great to have the, the money that we need to take care of our earthly needs, but there's, there's a far bigger need in our life, and it's salvation to be saved by the king. And, and if you've put your faith in the king today, you can have that salvation. You don't need to be fearing his destruction. He wants to raise you up out of that crippled condition, pick you up and put you at his table. Now, when you sit at a king's table in the Middle East, where are your feet? You lay down in the Middle East. You have a, cu a cushion under your arm. Under your, under your left arm and you eat with your right hand. Where are your feet? They're back behind you. Nobody sees your crippled condition. You sit right around as one of the king's sons or the king's daughters. You're not exposed anymore. Your brokenness is hidden by his love. Do you get it? Everything's been restored. 
And now he's calling you. You see, I'm not useful to you. He says, yes, you are. Because you're a king's son. Do you realize that the Bible says that because Jesus died on the cross for us, because he died on the cross for us, we have been made heirs of the Father, co-heirs with the Son. With who? With Jesus. Everything that belonged to Jesus belongs to us. We are just as if we were blood-born of the Father. If you read the scriptures, you know that we come through the wrong line. The, in the book of Matthew, it says, you are of your father, the devil. That means that we were all a part of the of, of, of the devil's family and he saved us and he adopted us and he brought us into the right house and now are we slaves no do we have victim mentalities no we are raised up we sang songs this morning what did we sing about every song that we were led in had to do with sonship and ladies, I want to speak to you today because there's many of you who go, well, being a, a, a lady, according to ancient societies, it was worse. You, you didn't have the, the heirs, you didn't have the power of the sonship. As far as the Bible is concerned, every woman is brought into the power and prestige of sonship. There is no difference in the level of what you get from Jesus. Do you know the Bible says that not all are called the children of God? Now we hear that. Oh, we're all the children of God. We're all the children of God. No, that's not theologically correct. Those who believe in his name are given the right to be called the sons of God and children of the light. Do you see? This changes everything for you and me. Everything changes. Your sin, your brokenness, your crippledness is not what God's staring at. He's staring at the covenant, folks. He's staring at the obedience of Jesus. And it's changed your life. That is Christianity. That is the gospel. That's why we have a better story to tell. And what I am asking you today, at first, if you've never heard that story, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, give your life to Jesus today. Accept the loving kindness of the king today. You just do that in your heart. Say, I accept your loving kindness. I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in the covenant of the cross. Everything changes for you in the moment you believe. But here's the thing I'd like to ask us who are believers. How can you do kindness today to someone else remembering the covenant of what Jesus did for you? How can you do that today to somebody how can we, as the children of God, touched and changed, be quiet about the covenant that we've experienced? I was, I, I loved this past week. I watched people serving all over the place at Life Church. I know that they were serving here at, through, the, through the food pantry and through the giveaway of all those backpacks and, and, and just loving on kids. I, I, I saw over at, at, at uh, the, the Hamilton County Fair, people playing with kids, loving them, praying with people in the prayer tent. Listen, that outreach mentality can't be just a couple times a year. It's got to be the way the king's kids walk around, reaching out. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to ask you a question. Who today can you do a kindness to because of the love of Jesus? 
so that the Benjamin Netanyahu's of the world have to go, I like your Jesus. He brought loving kindness. Let's just contemplate that. We're just gonna be in an attitude of prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to ask the Lord, who can you do loving kindness to? I wanna invite our prayer team to come. If you, you recognize that there's a brokenness that's still hanging on inside of you that you want somebody to pray for you today, say, I'm acting not according to who I really am. According to the story you just told, I'm acting like a victim. I'm acting like a, 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 a broken individual who hasn't been healed by the cross. If, if you're still hanging on to an identity that is not your identity in Christ Jesus, then would you come and receive prayer today? Let that thing fall off of you and replace what you've told yourself or others have told you with what God has told you. Replace that. And then let's just worship the Lord. Even in the final songs we sing, you're going to hear this message of the gospel. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.